1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of CastingAcross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is episode 199 of the podcast, and we are diving back into the world of technology and how it can intersect with your time outdoors, specifically with your time fly fishing. So we'll get to that in just a moment, have some recommendations for some apps and some resources that I think really could be beneficial, even if you are not a tech-savvy person. So if for some reason you aren't scared off by the title of the episode and you've gotten this far, then stay tuned. And uh, if you're a little skeptical, trust me, bear with me. Uh, I'm not telling you to hold your phone while you fish. Uh, that is not at all what I am going to be advocating. But we are going to be talking about some ways that you can integrate uh, some really uh, nifty... When was the last time you used the word nifty? Some really good apps and resources as you are either outdoors or preparing to get outdoors. But before we get to that, I did want to mention this is episode 199. For those of you who are good at math, that means next episode is episode 200. And if you have been around for a while in the podcast, I always have some special guests, 50th, 100th, 150th and coming up on the 200th episode. So stay tuned for that. Always some great feedback. In fact, uh, whenever I go to trade shows or I'm out and about and I'm meeting people to listen to the podcast, uh, they always comment on how these are highlight shows for them, um, folks in the industry and folks that I just know from uh, from casting across. But then secondly, the next episode, I'm pushing it back one episode, is my Fly Fishing Accusations podcast. So if you have questions, if you have comments, if you have accusations, or if you have recommendations, uh, send them my way, and I'm happy to share them. I've got, uh, as I always do, a good stack of content I'm waiting to utilize, but and if you have an email or a tweet or a direct message that blows them out of the water, you will rise to the top of that pile, and I will make whatever your contribution is part of the 201st episode of the podcast. Uh, but as I always uh, let folks know, uh, you don't need to have a really good question for me to get back to you. I do my best to respond to every email, every comment, anything and everything. And I am happy to just answer questions or happy to just uh, say yes, no, or thank you for listening. So we are talking about apps today, and we're talking about online resources. So why in the world would you want to be looking at a screen if you are going to be getting on the water and you're going to be enjoying nature? Maybe you sit in front of a screen all day at work, 
why would you want to drop in and uh, get online? Well, I think there's a lot of good reasons for it. In fact, if you rewind a couple of months, I did an episode called Phones and Phishing, and that one's not called Part 1, but there I talk about some of the reasons why just having a device on hand can be helpful from a safety standpoint, from a photography standpoint, from the ability to get real-time information regarding flows and hatches and weather and all of that stuff. And all of that is true. In that episode, I also talk about some of the negative uh, aspects of having technology, whether it be social media, whether it be distractions, whether it be the temptation to sneak in a little bit of work while the fishing gets slow. Uh, I talk about all of those things. But today I want to talk about some of the good reasons and good resources that you can hop into if you want to improve your overall fishing experience. The first one is something that was actually a recommendation only a few weeks ago, and it's an app called Seek. And Seek is by iNaturalist, and it's uh, endorsed by the um, Smithsonian and by National Geographic and some other um, just folks that know their way around the woods. When you open up the app, again, it's called Seek, um, and uh, you just put that in in your uh, your app store, whether it be a, a Apple or or Android. When you open it up, it shows you the kind of animals that you should expect to see and the plants that you should expect to see in your area. But then there's a little icon on the bottom of the camera, and if you take a picture of anything and everything, mushroom, roadkill, uh, a bird that's on flight, a bird that's perched on a rock, maybe even a fish, actually definitely a fish, I've seen this work, uh, it will give you a quick catalog of what it very well may be. And nine times out of 10, maybe more than that, maybe 19 out of 20 times, it's going to give you the right answer. And then you go on to figure out a little bit of information about that. You can add it to a catalog that you are beginning to compile. Um, I wrote about this recently on a, an episode of, or not an episode, an article on casting across and I gave this as a suggestion on a, a recent podcast. But I think it's fantastic in a way to increase your enjoyment and your time outside and to raise your awareness of what's around you. This is a phenomenal app, not just for fishing, but if you're out walking with your kids, if you want them to be able to learn to identify plants and animals and all sorts of stuff, this is a great way to get them started on that. As I mentioned, um, I think in the uh, in the uh, episode a couple weeks ago when I when I recommended this uh, app, it's not as good as having a guidebook and flipping through so that you're able to see the differences between, say, the duck species that you saw and the other duck species that look a lot like it. You're missing out on that. But actually, with a couple of flicks of the thumb, you're able to see other species that, that might be closely related to the particular uh, plant or animal that you have found. But the cool thing, again, about this app is that you're able to catalog stuff. And if you're a geek as it relates to kind of keeping track of stuff like I am, then this is definitely definitely an app that you will appreciate. So that's called the Seek app by iNaturalist. Uh, the second one that I wanted to throw out there is something else I've written about recently, but uh, I, I definitely wanted to throw it out there again. Your local library has great resources. I'm you know, some libraries are doing some pretty wacky stuff these days, and, and I have no problem saying that. But there is a lot of good that is still available at your local library without having to drop the ridiculous amounts of money that I do uh, on books every month. But uh, there is a very good chance that your library provides you access to an app and a resource like Hoopla 
or Libby. Uh, and I know there's other ones that are out there, but effectively, this is going to serve as a free version of Kindle or a free version of Audible, which are great uh, apps and resources. Then, And I use those, but I always turn to uh, Hoopla and Libby first. Now, Hoopla is a uh, online catalog of resources. There are audiobooks, there are just um, uh, digital books, there are digital comic books, there are movies, there are there is music, there's all sorts of stuff on there. And I think that through my library, they bumped it up from like three titles a month to five titles a month during COVID. And so if you're reading like novels, then you're not going to run out. Um, if you're listening to novels, you're not going to run out. Um, but there is so much on there and there's so much good fly fishing content, uh, whether it be uh, guidebooks, like actually like where to go fish in this place, whether it be classic novels, um, you know, river runs through it kind of stuff, or like John Gurak's entire catalog is on there, I believe. And you can just scroll through there, put in a title. If they don't have it, then you're they're going to recommend things through the algorithm that are similar to it. So if there's a particular fly fishing title, uh, whether it be for a species or whether it be for an area or a particular author, they're going to give you recommendations that are going to be close to that if they don't have that precise thing that you're looking for. Uh, it's, it's great. It's an excellent resource. I always have one audiobook going on there. And so uh, if you are interested in fly fishing titles or anything else, then definitely check that out. Libby is very similar, but that kind of runs like an actual library in the sense that they only loan out uh, titles, loans in, in air quotes there, uh, loan out certain titles so many uh, a month. So if you want something that's really popular, which I can't imagine a lot of fly fishing titles are uh, these days in the grand scheme of things, uh, you might have to wait for a couple weeks. But uh, you can you can hop on and you can grab one of those titles and do the same thing, either read it or listen to it as an audiobook. But these are great resources to have in your phone, whether it be you're driving around and you want a little bit of escapism as you want to pretend like you're on the water as you are stuck in your commute, or if it's the kind of thing that you are going to use as education uh, to prepare for being out on the water. Uh, th I definitely recommend you go to your library's website everywhere I've lived, uh, whether it be, you know, in the last few years, Virginia, Maryland, or it's not, I haven't lived in Maryland, Virginia, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. Uh, each one of my libraries has had access to both of those apps. So definitely check them out. And all you need to get signed up is a library card serial number, and uh, you will be good to go. The next app is actually not really a fishing app. Well, I take that back. It markets itself for hunting. And uh, it is on X. And so, you you know, in hunting, uh, if you are on the X, you are exactly where the birds are flying, you're exactly where the animals are moving. Uh, this is a great app. There's a seven-day free trial if you download it, but then there is a subscription-free uh, fee involved. Uh, this is a great app for figuring out where private and public land are. Now, obviously for hunting, that's a much bigger deal because you're walking on land. Uh, as complicated as water rights are in certain states, I'm thinking of states like Montana, out west, Wyoming, and then even states like Pennsylvania and Virginia here on the east coast, it can get very squirrely very quickly regarding water rights and access. But by and large, most places where you fish, as long as you are underneath that low water mark, you're probably okay. Hunting, of course, is a different story. But the great thing about Onyx is that you are able to find uh, land owners, and you, so you're able to go knock on doors, which real quick, as a little bit of an aside here, you know, 10 minutes into this podcast, um, if you are exclusively fishing 
special regulation water, which for a lot of folks in my audience, I know are trout fishers. And so this probably applies to you, especially if you live in uh, you know, some of the places I talk about quite, quite frequently. A lot of trout fishers get in the habit of only fishing on special regulation water, fly fishing only, catch and release only, that kind of stuff. And that's fine. I go through seasons where I am only going and parking on uh, well-maintained gravel lots with nice trails to the water that I know have wild fish or native fish in them. So again, not casting any aspersions there. However, you are missing out. I am missing out when we are not pouring over maps, whether it be Google Maps or whether it be an old-timey Delorme Atlas, and figuring out the creek that flows into that catch and release stream or that creek that looks a lot like that catch and release stream, but it's just on the next valley over. However, access to it is very limited. Uh, There's not that state forest land. There's not that national forest land. uh, There's not the the county-maintained boat ramp. It's surrounded by private property. But that doesn't mean it's off limits. Now, I'm not advocating you just go trespassing and you walk on the stream. But what I am saying is that you use a tool like Onyx and you're able to find out whose property that is. And the great thing about this app is that you're able to do it on the fly. You can actually pre-download your maps. So if you're in a place where there's not a lot of service, you can hop on and scroll around and find whose property that is. And so you not to creep somebody out and show up and say, uh, Mr. Crane, I'm actually looking at a a house, a couple of streets over right now, uh, using the app, you know, Mr. Crane, hi, my name is Matthew. I uh, was wondering if I could uh, access uh, the the creek on your property. Um, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm able to fish on that creek with state laws, but I was wondering if I could utilize, uh, your, your, uh, road in front of the house and then this trail game trail to get to the stream i promise i'll pick up all the trash that i see and i'll make sure to throw all the fish back uh you know any any questions i've done that countless times over the years and honestly i can only remember like one or two no's uh, more often than not, people are just so impressed that you've made the uh, effort to to be polite and respectful that they can't help but say yes. Now, that might be an overgeneralization, and if you're the fourth or fifth person that's done it this week, it might be a different, uh, different uh, resolution to that conversation. But I think people, more often than not, respect somebody trying to do something the right way. So Onyx is a tool that really simplifies that process of finding out where you are and who's property you may or may not be on. Now, if you're getting into the hunting world, is that it's, you know, incredibly helpful because you're able to do that uh, for for places where there are no water rights. You're out in the woods and you're trying to figure out, is this private property? Is this public property? If it's public property, are there any special regs? With a quick tap of the thumb, you're able to figure out uh, if there's any special regs that have been posted. And for all the clicking around that I've done on it, everything is very, very accurate. You're also able to do some tracking on it and uh, you're able to kind of plot your, your course as you walk through the woods. So definitely check on X out if you hunt or bare minimum, it's a fun little free trial to click around uh, on for seven days. They give you, I believe, just one state uh, maps and property information for one state. So uh, choose wisely if you live on the border like I do. Um, you know, I'm only a few minutes from from New Hampshire where I live in Massachusetts. So uh, I, I chose Mass, which is awesome. And I've been able to click around and get a little bit even more information on, on water already fish and land already hunt. Uh, things that I didn't know, uh, but uh, was, was very helpful on, on X. Another app that I click on 
a lot is the National Park Service app. So if you just put a National Park Service on your uh, your Apple Store or your Android Store, then this will come up. This is a lot of fun, uh, and and I get the most fun out of it. And this is quasi voyeurism, I suppose. But by reading the news, and because the news is often, and I'm, I've certainly talked about this before in the podcast. The news is often like, uh, you know, hiker is missing, uh, cougar attack. Um, you know, there was uh, somebody arrested for uh, for using a metal detector on a battlefield. That kind of stuff is always on the news feed that they have on the app. And so, you know, call that creepy or, or whatever. But I'm, I'm always curious at how much news there actually is in the National Park Service uh, all, over the, all over the place. But beyond that, this is a great app to use to see maps, be able to make reservations for campsites. Uh, they have webcams. Uh, you're, you're able to see what's going on in Alaska and uh, in, in New Mexico and uh you know all over the place there's all sorts of interesting things that you can you can click through it is a great productive time waster which is a little bit of an oxymoron but uh there's a lot of fun uh in that something else i've recommended before is also the the US forest service app the national forest uh, uh explorer app same thing i i'm i'm positive i've recommended this before on the podcast but what this one will let you do is download maps of the national forests um, something that I haven't done, but I certainly want to do is kind of utilize technology to make better choices about hiking and fishing more efficiently and more effectively. Uh, this is something that I used to do with maps a lot, but now that I'm doing a lot more trail running and so I'm not stopping to pull a map out, but I'm quickly looking at my uh, smartphone, my smartphone, my device, or um, I'm I'm using a, a recent birthday present, my my new smart watch. I, I got a a Garmin uh, watch that I use primarily for exercise, uh, for running and keeping track of all that fun stuff. But it, it can sync up with what I'm doing out in the woods as well. But I'm excited about really taking advantage of some of these offline maps and being able to use them to make better choices on how I move through the woods. Um, and now this is something I'm certainly not recommending. I'm certainly not saying that everyone and anyone should do this. But if you have any orienteering um, training, if you know how to move through the woods, uh, if you if you take your time to do that in a very safe and benign place, and then you're able to increase the kind of level of difficulty, then you're able to move through the woods much more effectively, especially if you get into a place where the trail systems are not as robust as they are maybe here on the East Coast, especially kind of in the Mid-Atlantic. But as you move up into New England, and certainly as you go out West, the trail systems aren't as robust. But if you have devices or maps that allow you to move through the woods off trail, do bushwhacking, which again, it, it it's not something that I, I advocate for people who have never done it before and certainly don't have kind of backwoods. Survival training is a really extreme way of saying it, but because I, I don't want to say that, you know, I know to what the same thing to do like a Marine does. That's certainly not the case. But just knowing what to do if you make a bad decision or something bad happens to you, which that could happen on trail or off trail. There's been days where I have been on incredibly popular trails and I have not seen a single person. So if disaster were to befall me, then I would be out of luck, regardless of the fact that I'm on a popular trail or not. All that to say, being able to use an app 
like the National Forest Service app, where you're able to download the maps, and they're going to be accessible even when you have no data. You're able to put those things on a smartwatch and create waypoints and move from point A to point B with the anticipation that there is going to be a water crossing. There is going to be a ridge that you have to cross over, but you have a heading that you're able to use able to orient yourself towards utilizing things that you have on your phone, things that you have maybe on a different smart device that you're able to access easily, like a compass. Those things are very helpful. And so that's kind of my my last recommendation for today as it relates to phones and phishing, technology and phishing. Know what's on your device. Know how to use a compass. A compass is completely ineffective if you don't know how to use it. It is not like a homing beacon, although they have apps that do that, or you know, you can set waypoints and then uh, your, your phone will set the heading for the waypoint rather than north or something else. But that being said, know how to use apps that are included on at least every Apple device I've ever owned. Things like tracking altitude, tracking distance, uh, tracking headings, utilizing a compass, those things are very, very helpful. And then I would also say, know how to utilize your emergency features on your devices. This is something that I didn't even think about in my last phones and fishing podcast when I talked about ways that they can be used for safety. Your phone, uh, your smartwatch, uh, all of these things have emergency notification services that will, you know, Lord willing, they will chirp through uh, any lack of service that you have. Um, and bare minimum, they will help people to to find you if you do get into a difficult situation. So four or five different app recommendations. If you have an app that you absolutely love using and integrating into your phishing, and just as a word of warning, if it is a spot burning app, I am not interested in it. Um, I know those exist out there, but I just I I I'm not a bandwagon jumper when it comes to piling on things that don't have a great reputation in fly fishing. But I certainly would not want to show people where I'm catching my fish. Um, I use the photo uh, app on my iPhone to do location tagging, but that's for my own purposes. I know what time of year, what time of day uh, I, I caught a fish on at, at a particular spot, but I don't share that with anybody. Well, I share it with some people, but I'm not going to share it with the thousands of people that this podcast is reaching. Anyway, again, if you have anything interesting, I am happy to hear about it. And uh, if man, if it blows somebody out of the water, if you are an app developer uh, and you uh, you want to share some information with me, then you might uh, make it on uh, the podcast in a couple of weeks. This week on castingacross.com, Monday's article was called First Fly Shop Love. This is one of those articles that I wrote years ago. This one was actually 2015, and I took it and I retooled it. And one of the ways that I retool these articles is often cutting up the fat. Uh, some of those early articles I wrote were like, 800, 900, 1,000, 1,200, 1,400 words. I try to get things down to like between five and 700 words now. Um, it's just the, the kind of the, the the way that the website works, the articles that get the most pop or that kind of length. I have no problem with long form writing. I just, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get into a good groove uh, with, with what I present on castingacross.com. I break it up into multiple uh, articles if it's going to be longer than that. But anyway, uh, First Fly Shop Love is about my first fly shop that I loved, which was not a fly shop. It was a sports authority, the sports authority uh, in Northern Virginia. So if you want to know why in the world that such a place uh, carved out such an important part in my heart, uh, you can read that article, First Fly Shop Love. Wednesday's article is called Fly Fishing Books 13 
Fly Fishing Books 13. This is the 13th article in which I recommend four fly fishing books. And so there's a guidebook, there is a book about technique, and then there's a book about history, and then there's a fourth bonus book. I'm not going to spoil what they are, but these are four phenomenal books. Uh, one of them I only got like, uh, what's today? Today's Thursday. I only got it five days ago and I finished it yesterday. So uh, I flew through it. And if you enjoy it half as much as I did, you're absolutely going to love this book. And here's the deal. It has nothing to do with fishing, but it was good enough that it warranted making it on to this list. So check out Fly Fishing Books 13. This week's recommendation on the podcast. Well, this this podcast has been all about recommendations. However, uh, I will recommend a page on the website as a follow-up to Fly Fishing Books 13, and that is all 13 um, articles plus a couple more's worth of book recommendations are on Fly Fishing Books, a page on castingacross.com. So although the uh, posts that occur Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are static, I put them up there and I keep them there unless I notice a tremendous spelling or grammar error. They stay the way that they are for posterity's sake, for good, bad, or otherwise. However, I have a few pages on castingacross.com that I update, uh, gear recommendations, um, some you know company profiles and reviews. I keep a catalog of those. But another one is fly fishing books. And so there are well over 50 book recommendations on there. And these are books I actually recommend. These are not just books I saw in a bookstore that I think, oh, this might be a fun read for a fly fisher. These are books I own and or have uh, for a couple of them that are hard to find uh, that I've just gotten from the library multiple times. So definitely check out fly fishing books if you are a reader, if you have a reader in your life. Uh, something I always recommend is to keep an Amazon wish list uh, that you can just, if you see a book that you like and you're like, I don't feel like spending 60 bucks on a hardcover right now, at least just tag it and then revisit and see if you can find it used on Amazon. Or if you are browsing through a used bookstore, um, you can pull that list up and say, what am I looking for? Or if someone wants to buy you a present, then you can say, here, here's a book list. And it's totally fine if they spend $75 on a book for you because it's a book that you want and it's not your money. But uh, check out some of my book recommendations on uh, fly fishing books. I will put a link in the show notes to this podcast page on Casting Across, but there's always an icon for fly fishing books on the right side of the page if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of every article if you are reading on a mobile device. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Oh my God! Oh! 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 Oh!
every once in a while it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.